everybody and welcome to another episode of Book Goodies, the podcast by authors for authors. I'm one of your hosts, Deborah Carney, and I'm joined by co-host Karen Garcia. How are you doing today? Great. And we have with us a guest that we've had on before and we asked him back because he works um, a really cool kind of fiction and we want to learn more about it. Um, Gil C. Schmidt. Hi, Gil. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Good evening to both of you. Um, he speci- Gil specializes in flash fiction, which is actually fascinating to me because I've never actually tried it. Um, and uh, he's here with us tonight to, to tell us more about it. But before you get into that, can you give folks a little bit of a background on yourself? Sure. I'm born and raised in Puerto Rico, also in the States. My father was in the Air Force, so we moved around a lot, lived in several states, Nebraska, Arkansas, Mississippi, uh, Texas. Um, and I started writing when I was a kid, um, like most of us, uh, because I, I read something and I wanted to write about it. And I've always been fascinated by, by short stories. Um, I, I love books. I read tons of books. But I've always been fascinated by short stories because I think they require a certain amount of technique and, and mastery. Um, whereas in the novel, you have time to expound. In a short story, you have to be uh, precise or more precise. And flash fiction, even more so. And that's what brought us together, um, your website and your interviews. And uh, the topic of flash fiction came up, and here we are again. Well, and I'm particularly intrigued by it because it could possibly be a way for um, our listeners who are uh, considering writing and think that they have to write, you know, 500 pages when, uh, like you said, you can put together a book of related or even unrelated short stories and start out that way and, you know, dip your toe in the water a little bit that way. And it's not intimidating. You just say, now, do you usually set a time limit or a page limit or how do you, how do you sit down and write a flash fiction? Okay. Well, when I, when I did this, it's because I had spent about two years writing nonfiction, uh, blogging and articles, business articles, technology articles, proposals, I mean a lot of work related writing and I wanted to get back into fiction writing but everything I had in my mind seemed to take forever and I decided I was going to write one page stories if uh, old typewriter mode, if you take just one page, it's about 700, maybe 750 words on an average page depending on the size of the font and I wanted to write one page stories and I, I told my then fiance, uh, Maria, I was going to write 30 stories. I just picked the number out of, out of the air. I wanted to write 30 stories in about 10 weeks um, so that I would write about three a week. And this was because I have, a, at the time, I had a very, uh, very fluid schedule um, as a consultant, as a speaker, um, as a business developer. I, I really, I, I don't have a lot of discipline and sometimes I'd be working until maybe 11.30 at night, sometimes I'd start working at 6.30 of it to prepare for a meeting and what I decided to do was I always had at least an hour, maybe an hour and a half, two or three times a week where I could sit down and sort of gather my thoughts and I figured I'd use that time to write a story. So I had a time limit, about an hour, a word limit, about 700 words and the whole point was if I started, I had to finish the story and, and then leave. So it was that sort of sticking yourself in a, in, in, in a bind. And that's how, I, that's how I did it. I ended up writing 60 um, flash fiction stories, all about the same length. And 
put them into books, uh, two books. Or one's called 30 Stories, the other one's called 30 More Stories in a very original and creative way. <laughs> well, but that is fascinating because as you were talking, I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, there are some, there's a magazine that Karen and I both um, write for occasionally, and their word limit is 500 words. And, you know, you just pick a topic so and you write 500 words. And, and it does take about an hour to write five, 600 words because it always ends up being 600 words and you have to trim it back to the 500 <laughs> that they won't let you go even one word past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I sort of created a bit of a, of, a, of a cheating mode because I wanted to use 11-point font for the book. Okay. So I write in 12-point font, go over the page limit, and then try to wrap it up as quickly as possible. And then when I brought it down to 11-point font, it would almost fit the page. So I had to tweak <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm kind of weird. You do uh, know that on the Kindle, people can make it any size they want. So your one per page is totally I, gone. <laughs> I know, but at least it, it gave me that, that constraint. And 500 words is... But also about the average blog post. Right. Uh, now I had plenty of experience. I, I have. I've had a blog since 2004, and I've had other blogs. So I've written maybe 1,500 blog posts, something like that. Most of them are over 500 words. But I had that practice. But writing fiction is different. Totally. Um, nonfiction stuff I can crank out uh, fairly quickly. It was the fiction stuff. It was getting the story. Now I do have to make a, a bit of a of a definition here. I was writing stories, not what I call mood pieces. Um, the, the traditional short, short story uh, tends to have a twist at the end, a punchline. Um, something happens. Um, I am not fond at all of, of what I call the New Yorker mood piece, which is where the story is typically a middle-aged couple at the kitchen table having breakfast on a typical weekday, and there's 90% of his description, and it ends with, the sunlight glinting off the coffee, which is now too cold to drink. Something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never read something like that. That would be, yeah. Yeah, I have. In other words, it's more yeah. the technique than the story. I would rather somebody hit somebody else with a coffee cup. To me, that's a story, okay, mm-hmm. because then something happens. So what I wanted to do was to create a story where there was a twist at the end, or at least somebody or something had dramatically changed from the beginning to the end. Um, the typical example that we have for short stories is O'Henry. Uh, all the surprise endings. I mean, O'Henry pretty much patented or perfected the surprise ending to the story. So I would sit down and I, would, I, I might have a starting point, I might have an image or a phrase, but I always had to have an ending. And of course, the ending is the most difficult part. It's the part that people will remember the most, I would imagine. Um, so that was my, also one of the constraints I had. It had to be a story. It couldn't just be writing to fill the page. I like it. I like it. Karen, does that sound like something that, you know, we could probably challenge each other to do? Oh, sure. I mean, that's that's, that's similar to some of the, the, the short snippety type things that, that I've been working on, um, you know, because it did, and we've talked about this again at, at Infinitum, um, but the, the, the fiction piece that I've been, been working on, I've kind of done it in a lot of sh- short fits and starts. And um, the, the group that, that kind of generally, uh, there's a group of us that generally write together. Um, and we're a part of a larger community, so we get a lot, a lot of feedback from other sources that aren't part of, you know, the writing collective-y type folks that post at this particular place. But um, 
we do a lot of, of short snippety things. So sometimes somebody will post an idea like, okay, your character has to make breakfast. So okay. you make breakfast. What, it, what would your character make for breakfast? You know, and you, you, you know, 500, 600 words and you write down, you know, the, the process of your character making themselves breakfast. And sometimes the funniest stuff happens because <laughs> you don't, you know, it's, it's, it's something that is so mundane and everyday. But when you're writing, you know, a fantasy fiction type of piece and discover that, oh, well, my sorceress is going to have eggs today and everything blows up in her face. <laughs> there you go. You know, and, and it's, it's for me, that's something I'm really comfortable with. The, the overarching, oh, my gosh, you have to write 500 pages um, is, is a little daunting. But in smaller, smaller things, um, it, I've, I found it to be very helpful in some of the, the larger short story style pieces I've written or when I've been writing a chapter um, because I could go back to that, that essentially source material that I made for myself. It's not publishable or anything like that. Uh, at least mine, mine isn't. <laughs> um, but um, to go back to it and, and get a little bit of perspective on a specific character or on something that may have happened in her past that I had forgotten about. Um, so I find, I find them to be very helpful for me in my, my writing of larger things. You need to send me some of these because I have a feeling that we could I have a little work together. You go send me one. And then I thought I, I sent you more than that. No, you sent me one. <laughs> you said there was more if I wanted to go digging around. But then you didn't tell me. I sent you more. Somebody's going to fling a coffee cup at somebody else in a moment. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Actually, it'll be a wireless mouse. <laughs> no, wait, I need that. <laughs> I like the fact that Karen used the word snippety because I kept thinking of, write, of writing with attitude. Yep. You know, my writing is snippety. It's time to, you know, tone it down a bit. Yeah, it happens to me. Uh, well, see, I, I, have a, I have a lot of uppity female characters, so snippety works pretty well. <laughs> okay. but you mentioned writing like a fantasy um, story. That was one of the things that I, that I would also recommend to people who are looking to write short stuff, is that the more you read, the more you're able to play with these exercises. Um, for example, sometimes I would sit down and I wouldn't know what to write, and you know, the clock is ticking, so to speak, so to, so to speak metaphorically. And I would think, okay, I'll write a detective story. Um, now, I don't know if you've read a lot of detective stories, but there are certain, I think the word is tropes, there are certain characteristics of a detective story. So I would start from the characteristics. Okay, for example, you mentioned the fantasy uh, character, and you know maybe they're making breakfast not with chicken eggs, but with dragon eggs or something like that. Mm -hmm. So you start playing around with the characteristics. The more you've read, the easier it becomes to play around with these characteristics. So that's another reason writers should read. Um, I know a couple of people who, tend, who say they're writers who don't want to read and it's like an athlete not wanting to exercise or, or practice. Mm -hmm. uh, see how they can do it. Um, so this is another way of, of turning your past um, and your experiences into future content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's perfect because I, I I honestly I love reading other science you know the the, the science fiction and the fantasy uh, writers works but because they give me ideas and it's not just you know it's not just like lifting somebody else's ideas because that's not what I'm talking about but in terms of you know working within a a magical construct that you yourself are creating okay well how would how would something work just mechanically. 
and and seeing how other other writers have dealt with you know things like teleportation or you know a fireball or you know mage light or any number of little things that your character will probably need or use or utilize or you know come into contact with to see you know to to kind of give you a jumping off point of okay how could i do this and how how would my character create this or deal with it or you know move past it um, I find to be very helpful. And it's also it also goes to another point is that sometimes we sit down and we want to be so amazingly original and so amazingly creative, we we don't actually do anything. We <laughs> just sit. Yeah. There. You get stuck. You get frozen. Yeah. And 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 what I usually do at those moments because I tend to write in public places. I mean, I was busy traveling back and forth, and I still tend to write in public places. Um, but I would I would sit there and I would get slightly annoyed at myself, and I would start criticizing everybody around me. Uh, so I would get snippety about everybody around me, okay? and I was making up their backstories and, you know, and stuff like that. Um, I actually wrote one of my flash fiction pieces is an extension of that attitude I have sometimes when I'm stuck in what I'm trying to write because I have little time. Um, and, and that's also the intriguing part because if you don't have a lot of time to write, like in your exercises, Karen, when, when somebody says you have to write about a character making breakfast, you don't really have time to be amazingly creative. You just have to go with it. And right. that's where the creativity comes from. Right. Well, and finding finding a way to work in some, you know, some little twist or something interesting rather than she went to the cupboard and she got out a bowl and she went to the fridge and she got out two eggs and she cracked the eggs into the bowl. Uh, how boring. This is not a recipe. It's, yeah. you know, what, what, what else happened besides the, the action of her making breakfast? I like what and, Gil said that she used dragon eggs and I pictured one of the dragon eggs cracking open and a dragon popped out. <laughs> See? Something like that. You know, it, where, where it's, it's, you never really know until you like start start typing it out that that something fantastical is going to happen and you know the the character that i've been writing i i have her very well fleshed out in my head but there are still things that you know it's it's not her 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 past is not set in in unmalleable metal uh, it's pretty fluid (laughs) so i can add i can add new things in there the one thing that i that i have to be really careful of um is to keep it from being a very Mary Sue type of thing, um, okay. where you know you you have the 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 orphaned child, a la Bruce Wayne, who has everything and blah 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 blah. Because you know what, that story's already been written, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't want to write that story. That's not what there, I want. There has there, to be challenges that she has to overcome, but at the same point in time, it doesn't need to sound like everybody else's. There there's a topic I've I've talked with a couple of people about. Um, specifically two series. I mean, I'm going off topic here a little bit, but I, I like the fact that you brought this up. Sort of the Mary Sue topic. I think the, mm-hmm. the old style Mary Sue is becoming different, and I'm talking about two specific, specific series, the Suki Stackhouse series and the mm-hmm. Anita series. I started reading both of those series because I found, them, I found the female characters to be really interesting, mm-hmm. um, untypical, and they veered off in a direction that is like a modern-day Mary Sue on steroids. I don't know if I should I, I should even say it that way. Um, and they bother me because it's it's as if they became caricatures of themselves. But again, I'm I'm going a little bit off topic. But hmm. I'm, you mentioned that you're aware of the Mary Sue stereotype or or or, or framing of a mm-hmm. character because I don't think these writers are aware that they've turned their characters into that kind. 
of, of uh, limitation, I guess. But they're mm-hmm. enormously successful, so I, I might be arguing against their success. Um, and, and, and again, it's just my opinion. Um, but I'm glad you, you, you brought that up. Um, well, and I think it's an important point also because even though it may not be about flash fiction specifically, the point of part of the point of flash fiction is that you're going to eventually write a longer book. You know, you've done it. You you like flash, but you know, you have written some longer pieces too, right? Yeah, I have longer books. Yeah. yeah. So flash fiction is one way to express your creativity that can fit around with the other things that you're doing. And if you think that you're, let's say that you're writing something longer and you, like Karen, you, and, and you've said, you, you get into this Mary Sue type of a caricature and sit down and force yourself to write 750 words about what she's supposed to be instead, you know, what's bothering you about the character and to make sure that she doesn't turn into, um, you know, just another one of those characters. Right. Right. Well, and, and, and the, the, the place that I'm coming from, um, you know, the, the group of, of folks that, that I generally write with, we're, we're kind of mired in a superhero-esque type of, of uh, game world at this point. So it really lends itself to that Mary Sue concept because a lot of comic books, the, the, the main protagonist, that's what they are. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it is a larger than life caricature of, of, you know, the superhero, magical, fantastical person. And to take a step back from that and say, okay, I'm going to take this little bit and this little bit, but I don't want that other stuff because that makes me sound too much like all these other things that have already been done. And that's not where I want to play. That's not the sandbox I want to play in. I want to play over here and explore this concept. So I, I think I think just being aware of that is really important. True. The process you're talking about is also rewriting. Um, and, and that's one thing. It's easier if I if I had to Every time I have to sit down and, and, and look at a 10, 12, 14 page segment of, of either a story or a book I've written, it, it's kind of tedious because it's, it's hard to go over your perfect prose and realize it's not perfect at all, um, mm-hmm. if you're honest with yourself. And I tend not to be, at least in the mornings. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I need to edit. I don't know about you, but I need to edit in the afternoon. In, in the morning, everything, is, uh, everything I do is great. Um, but with flash fiction, it's one page or less, or 500 words. You can go over it. You can quickly see where it doesn't work because you have this limitation of space and, 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 and format. And it's, it's almost a joy to rewrite it because you know you're going to be finished in a few minutes. Or you mm-hmm. can start it and you've learned something. Right. Um, yeah. And for a lot of writers, getting over that fear and getting into rewriting is, is it, it can be a tedious process. And this is another way also of... of getting into the basics of writing, into the real nuts and bolts of writing. And it's different from um, free writing. You know, like if you, you know, there's a lot of people, and it works for a lot of people as well, if you're stuck in somewhere where you just start, you know, doing a brain dump. But flash fiction, you have a point that you want to get to. Mm-hmm. You know, you have something you want to accomplish. Yeah, at least, I, at least most of the stories I came up with, <clears throat> I knew what the ending was. Um, I would start from the ending. Um, if that wasn't happening, um, I would have an image, a specific image. I wrote one story because I had the image of a tiny old woman um, barely able to lift a sword facing a duke in full battle armor. Um, very fantasy-like uh, scenario. Mm-hmm. And I, it was like, okay, I had that image in my mind when I sat down and I was waiting for my coffee. 
So I'll write about that. Um, if not, I would just write the first line, the first thing that came to mind. I have two examples of stories I wrote. This is exactly what I wrote, and I, fi and I figured I'd just keep going. One of them was, I plucked my eyebrow, and the Wainscot building blew up. <laughs> okay. I sat there, and I thought, okay, I have to finish this. Okay. <laughs> I was not going to back off of whatever <laughs> idiocy I wrote. I just, I just had to do it. Um, another time, and again, this is the, be the beginning of the story. Um, this is the portion of the sentence I wrote. Um, I started the story with, the first time traveler in history, Dr. Bergonius Limstead V. And I just sat there, and I, looked at my, and I looked at the screen, and I'm thinking, okay, now what have I done? <laughs> You've created a man with a, a really, really bad name for a kindergartner's paper. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I always think of, because when, when, before I got married, my last name was Churchill. And when you're little, and you have to fill in that many bubbles on the, the stupid <laughs> Iowa tests, oh my lord, it's like, how many letters are in my last name? Oh my gosh. And when they have make you do your middle name, too, because I've got a really long middle name, it just uh -oh. killed me. So. Well, I, have, <laughs> I tend to end up with characters that have kind of small names, I realized. <laughs> you prefer short names. Well, my last name is Schmidt, and I realized immediately what consonant I cannot leave out of my last name. And I was in first grade when I figured that one out. <laughs> <laughs> and I got into the principal's office for proudly pr pronouncing it in, in class. Um, Ooh, so that was one of my first problems. Um, but again, it was, it was the idea that if I sit down to write something... I have to finish it, and and other times I was halfway through the story thinking, "Where's this going?" Um, I have no idea. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. The, the the one example I can think of was, I had this image of a serial killer in an interrogation room, um, kind of mocking the police. Mm -hmm. And I started writing the scene, and I'm, I'm I'm writing the story. It's not a scene; it's a story. I didn't know where it was going. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at the page. I'm halfway down the page. I've got about 20, 25 minutes to go. I don't want to fail at the process at, at any point of finishing what I started. And all of a sudden, ideas start coming. It's like the need to, to finish it helps you find the ideas. And I, would, and I ended up finishing it. Um, a lot of the stories were like that. I would, I would just start. I'd be two or three paragraphs in, not knowing where it was going. And then I, other times I knew where I was going. It was just how am I going to get there, um, right. you know, and, and not meander too much. So it, it was fun because, again, it, it's an pardon me, it's an experiment. Um, and if it didn't work out, well, then that's okay. I learned something along the way. But in, in this case, a lot of practice, a lot of writing, and I guess the, the eventually the confidence that comes from having done it so often, it kind of helped me keep going. And there were times I actually wrote two stories in, in oh, a wow. hour. I was able to, uh, um, you know, and again, if I started it, I had to finish it. I, I, I never left a story hanging. Um, so I, it, and that's another thing. A lot of us don't find the time to write or don't work at finding the time to write. And then when we write, we don't finish what we write. Mm -hmm. it, it's a good habit to, 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 at least I needed it, to finish what I was writing. Have, have you ever have you ever found it difficult to find a topic to write on? Have you just sat there and stared at the blank page sometimes? <laughs> That's when I started criticizing and being snippety about the people around. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, it was. There were times when I would get stuck, and then I would go through the through the genres. 
I think, okay, I wrote a Western uh, last week. I haven't, and I would write a romance, um, you know, a romance story. Um, mm -hmm. Some people, based on the, on the stuff I've written before, they never thought I could write a romantic story. <laughs> well, I've got a romantic, you know, streak in me. Um, and uh, I would write a romantic story. Um, a lot of people think, <laughs> including my wife, that I write you know, stories that are largely horrific in terms of their content, you know, people dying or people getting hurt. I can write stories where people actually have fun. Um, and again, it was just a matter of, of bouncing ideas back and forth in my own mind. Mm -hmm. Curiously enough, sitting down to write at, at a, at a, after a certain amount of practice, the ideas would start immediately. I, I didn't have to wait for the ideas, but let's say the first, maybe the first 15 stories, Mm -hmm. was hard to find ideas. It was, again, it's like a muscle, I guess. I had to exercise it. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, for example, I, I wrote the first 30 stories in about an 11-week period. Um, then I, I, I waited a year, and then I did, the ex I, did, I did the same thing, but this time I wrote them in about six weeks. So I was writing almost one a day. Yeah. Uh, so, it, you know, you, you do get faster. You do get better at it. If, 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 oh, and the other thing, it's conscious practice. You've heard the phrase, practice makes perfect. Um, I, I coach basketball. I, I love to coach baseball. I, I, I love to play sports. If you're swinging, let's say you're using a bat or a tennis racket or a golf club, if you're swinging wrong and you keep practicing the wrong swing, you'll end up swinging wrong for the rest of your life. Um, free writing, I think, can be helpful to people, but it's not really consciously writing for an audience. It's writing to get ideas out of your head. Mm -hmm. I'm writing for an audience. Um, I figured eventually people were going to read these stories. I wanted them to be entertaining for me. I figure if I'm entertained, somebody else will be. And I was consciously practicing writing fiction. And that was a big help to me because before I was just writing stuff to get it out of my head and keep it in, ar in archives, on digital files. Um, but it never led anywhere. Whereas with these ideas, I now have eight books. Uh, what's called six packs of flash fiction, six or seven stories. Uh, Maria helped me put them together. I have two books. I have content that keeps creating content. Uh, there'll, there'll be audio books soon, and I'm looking at doing them in animation or nice. in graphic novel form. That would be cool. Content there, and and it, it 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 lends itself to a variety of media. So mm -hmm. once it's out there, you can you can be even more creative with it. Have you, I like have the you, idea of audio books because, like you said, they're little short pieces that people can just listen to and, you know, they they can listen to it and they get the whole thing and they don't have to, like, if you zone out, you have to go rewind, you know, 20 pages to get back to where you zone, you know, you zoned out because you got a, a phone call or you just were concentrating on a project when you were listening. For audio books, uh, my, my biggest concern is that I don't have a manly enough voice for them. Uh, yeah, I, I think like reading them in your own voice will be just fine. But Karen, <laughs> Karen does voiceovers, <laughs> not manly, but she does voiceovers, voice recording. She has a well-modulated voice. You know, I, I have a friend who tells me that, despite the fact that we have enormous advances in technology, there isn't enough technology to make me sound like a man. Um, oh I no! I, I don't talk to him anymore. Um, <laughs> but, but again. If I read them, it's like a, I guess it's like a composer playing yeah. his own songs. I, I, I'll read them the way I hear them in my head, which is interesting. But there are some stories that I simply cannot do, like the one about plucking an eyebrow in the Wayne Scott building blowing up. Mm -hmm. 
I would need a woman to read that one because it's about a woman. It's not. It's not about a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would be a much better story if read by a woman. So things like that. But we're working on those things. And again, it's also part of the creative process and something I've never done before. But it's a nice little story. Yeah. Have you have you in your flash fiction? Um, I mean, obviously, most of them are, are are most likely standalone pieces. But do you have do you ever find yourself kind of going back to a character that you've already written about? Yes, um, a, a sort of an unnamed uh, police detective um, appeared. Um, the same character appeared in three or four of the stories, um, mm-hmm. and I didn't mean for the character to appear, but it's it's um, it just came out. Uh, for example, the one with the with the serial killer in the interrogation room. It's this character that comes in and sort of cracks the case, um, and he's of course uh, the oddball. He's the the strange one. I don't know if I would turn him into a character for a longer series, but mm-hmm. he did appear um, three or four times, um, and that was the only one that I could think of. I, uh, I I may have shied away from trying to write um, a character series because I'd probably save it for a longer uh, format, you know, short stories or novellas or novels. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one just came up. I, I, I realized after I'd written the third story that it was I was basically writing about the same character. Just from you know, just three different incidents or four different incidents. Mm-hmm. This is totally off topic, but I have to ask you because I can hear it in the background. Are you on a beach? Close to it. I have a. a I, because the day has been so hot, I, I am in Puerto Rico. The day's been so hot. There's a fan blowing behind my Mac, my iMac. Okay. That, sound. The other thing it is sounds it, like waves crashing. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> We're not that close. Um, <laughs> We're about two miles, and then we have a little bit of traffic noise, and every once in a while you'll probably hear a little a little bird-like sound, and that's our native frog. It's called a coquille. Oh, uh, I like, yeah, that's what made me also think of uh, being yeah. on the beach, because I heard a wave crashing, and then I heard a little bird-like noise, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. I want to go to his house. <laughs> so you could have totally, totally lied to us and told us that you're sitting on the beach somewhere, and we would have believed you. <laughs> we would have believed you. I'm just, I, just, I guess I'm just naturally honest, but yeah, you're certainly welcome to come over, because I, I, I usually am the one who does the cooking and the entertaining. Oh. oh, yeah, because, you know, my wife handles all the hard stuff, like, you know, fixing the electronics and, and you know, repairing the furniture and all stuff like that. Yeah, I like your wife. <laughs> I do too. I think I'll keep her here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she'll be pleased. <laughs> well, I, hope and I so. think it's I think it's interesting you said that you don't want um your flash fiction to become character pieces because, you know, then it would lead to being a longer piece. Have you started a flash fiction that has ended up being a longer piece? Not at this point, but I was thinking about it. Um one of the things that I, I, I discovered was that I I have this fantasy series uh, at least uh, I'd like to write a series of fantasy novels and the almost perfect description of one of the characters is in one of the flash fiction pieces that I wrote mm-hmm. and it was like that's a small motorbike going by um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, you know it, uh, right on the beach right through the sand don't you ladies <laughs> there um, you go <laughs> Um, we can and, pretend. <laughs> and I, I was—I wanted to write the, the series. I was going to start the, the longer story, and I kept thinking, "Where have I? Where have I seen this guy before?" And I looked at one of my flash fiction pieces, and it was right there. It was as if I'd written the entire piece to sort of describe the character. So that didn't become a story. It's become the starting point 
for this character series, um, character-based series. But that's the only time it's happened so far because I, I really tried to avoid it. Right. I was trying to write stories that were that that I could just mix and match in any way, and that uh, they stand on their own. Yeah, just stand on their own. Um, but one, uh, one character did creep in there, and I don't know what to do with him, so I'll, I'll figure it out a little bit later. <laughs> well, and another point that you brought up is when you're concentrating and, and you go back and you edit these things that are so short, it really does um, help you sharpen your language skills because you need to make it so so tight. You know, you have to you have to get your point across in a lot fewer words than you would in a novel and it probably makes you a better writer overall. I, I think it did, especially there, were, there was one story that, that gave me fits because I had to go back maybe five or six times. It's because it had a, a wonderful two-line piece in it that I thought was absolutely brilliant. I mean, I was in love with that those two lines. Um, I'm in love with all my lines, but these two were kind of special. And I just couldn't get the story to fit in in in, the, in in that framework but every time I went back and read through the whole story everything fit except those two lines um, it was hard to cut them because they I thought they were the best lines in the entire piece but they were the lines that didn't fit mm -hmm. they didn't fit and that was the first time I'd ever cut something um, essentially for my own reasons I cut it because it just didn't fit the format uh, I'd never done that before now I do it almost immediately if I'm reading something and something leaps out at me and, and it, it might it might sound good to me or in my inner ear it sounds good but if it's leaping off the page at me it's because it's probably the wrong thing it's not it's, so I circle it or mark it and I know that that's gone I have to rewrite it because it, it's jarring it, it's breaking the flow of I'm supposed to appear in my writing I'm supposed to let the writing just keep going and mm -hmm. that was an experience but that one that that flash fiction piece took me about an hour to write and about three hours to edit, and that's that's the you know that was the, the longest amount of time I spent on any of the pieces. Mm -hmm. When you when you write your flash fiction, do you tend to do it on the computer or do you write it longhand or put it on the computer, print it out, then edit it? How, how do you what's your process there? Computer, I, I almost always write a draft on the computer, then I print it out and I go through it. Um, marking stuff, um, you know, highlighting, or, or and then I go back and edit it, and then I leave it alone. I usually don't edit the same day I write. I usually edit mm -hmm. like a week later, and then after I've edited it, or I feel I've edited it, I leave it alone for about maybe two weeks, and then I go back and print it all out and and give it one last look. Um, again, because they're short pieces, I do have a story to tell because you know Maria is sitting close to me, and I have to mention this. When I wrote the first set of 30 stories, I was sitting in her apartment, I printed them all out in the way I thought they should be printed, and I mm -hmm. looked at the entire series, and the 29th story I picked out is called See Bobby Laugh. I put it at the bottom of the stack, and I knew that was going to be number 29, because in my mind, I knew I'd get her. I'd catch her by surprise. Um, now, at the time, Maria was at med, in med school. She didn't have a lot of time to read, so she would read them periodically. One day I'm take I'm going to take her out to dinner, and I show up and she kind of you know waves at me and she, I notice she's reading the pages of the manuscript. And I notice she's reading that story, see Bobby laugh. And I'm sitting and I'm standing there and I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and all of a sudden she goes what? And I'm thinking bingo, I got it. 
I wrote the entire, I wrote the story and I set up all 30 stories. And one second. That one moment, that one moment when I would catch her off guard and by surprise. And as writers, you know, it's very seldom that you get to see the reaction you expect in readers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And that one of the things that, that it drives some writers mental, it doesn't bother me that much, but when somebody's reading what you write and they react, you want to know immediately why they're reacting to it. Right. Well, this one I knew. I didn't have to ask. <laughs> so that, 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 again, that's, that was part of the fun of the entire process. Now I have a question for both of you. When mm-hmm. somebody's reading what you're writing, in this case, because I wrote short pieces, it was pretty easy. When somebody's reading what you're writing, do you gauge their response throughout the piece or are you waiting for them to react to certain parts of it? I think that for me, because most of my interaction with the folks that are currently reading my work are, you know, it's through a computer screen. I don't, I don't have the luxury of watching them as they read you know what I've written um, so I think I'm, a, I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage there but at the same point in time I do get a lot of, of really excellent feedback um, I do like the cliffhanger I have to be careful not to overuse it mm-hmm. <laughs> and I like the I like the the you know I like using surprise or the unexpected um, or a, a slight twist here or there where you know something isn't quite what it seems um, you know, not necessarily catastrophic, but but just that something isn't quite right or different. And and one of the 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 nice things that that it, my character, um, you know, the, in in what I've been writing, she has is basically a possessed house. So and it's not it's not malicious, um, okay. but it can do surprising things occasionally where you expect it to do something and she expects it to do something. But it doesn't. It does something completely out of character for the house. So it's it's it for me to be able to have that sort of interplay between, you know, my actual physical character and then something that is normally an inanimate object that has sentience is is kind of fun for me. So I I, I have to be careful not to overuse that too much, but it. it adds a nice little twist for me and I get a lot of really good feedback from people where you know honestly I think I think the people that are reading my pieces love the house more than they love my main character. Yeah. <laughs> the house is the main character. <laughs> like, hey wait, you know, I'd love to have a possessed house that would do my laundry for me. Sure. <laughs> That'd be cool. great. <laughs> Who wouldn't? <laughs> so um yeah I, I it, it I would love to get to the point where I could sit down and give somebody several pages from what I've written and watch them react. Um, I have gotten a little bit of feedback from uh, uh, you know several people that that you know you got to be careful with the whole family friends bit because sometimes you just get the oh my gosh this is so great it's like yeah. you are lying to me I'm pretty certain. <laughs> You know, <laughs> or the, the, you know, the, oh, yeah, I thought that was great. And just like, did you actually read that? Or are you just telling me that? Because I can't really tell. Um, well, it's certainly startling when somebody reads something. I had one specific story. My sister, I think, has read pretty much everything I've written. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a voracious reader as well. And I wrote a story called Tales from the Hotel Central, the first story. Um, it's called Brian's Here. And one of the characters is in kind of asking him questions and kind of interviewing him or interrogating him. And I wrote him to be somewhat of a bit of a harmless, slightly tipsy British gentleman. So in my mind, he was a 
nice guy just trying to figure out why Brian is there that day. And my sister said, God, that guy's creepy. Like, what? <laughs> she said, the old guy. I said, he's not creepy. She said, yes, he is. And I had to sit down and I had to read it over again. And I thought, I still don't see where he's creepy. Until one day, I don't know what happened. I, I, I sort of picked up a, a random segment of, the, of, of, of that interview or that dialogue. And I thought, wow, that's creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I had no intention of writing you know, a, a, a creepy character. In another story I wrote, uh, in my mind, the character was in his mid-30s and extremely cynical. Everybody else who read the story saw an older man, like in his mid-50s, extremely cynical. Um, the age difference to me was startling because I, I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. And their comment was, he's too cynical to be that young. You know, young people. Oh, they didn't know my kids. <laughs> because there's this perception that if you're that cynical, it's because you're disappointed with life and negative, and there's an older age bracket, let's say. A younger person would have been more angry. Okay, I don't see it that way, but okay. But it seemed to be a consensus, and if five or six people that you, whose judgment you trust, tell you the same thing, I guess mm-hmm. you pay attention to it. I mean, you know, they're they're do, they're not doing it to harm to harm the piece or to hurt you. So I I, I kind of learned to to absorb all that feedback, um, and and realize that I might be writing one thing, and they're reading something else. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, that's part of the process too. Right. It is, because the end user is who is going to determine what your story is about. It's based on their life experiences and in their perception, and especially if you're writing very short fiction where you leave out a lot of details, they're going to fill in details based on their own life and, you know, what has happened to them. And, you know, they all saw an older person where you saw a younger person because it's been their experience with older people that are cynical. And, right. you know, they didn't know many young people who were cynical. Right. Well, and, and you know what that reminds me, you know, one of my pieces, I, I didn't get, because you know, there's, there's a difference between public feedback and private feedback. And I got public feedback from a friend that said, oh, you know, I really like this piece. It was, it was cute and whatever. And then I got a, a private email message from her and she said, I just, you know, I, I wanted to, to support you and tell you how much that I did enjoy your piece because everybody else was saying how much they enjoyed it. But at the same point in time, I wanted to let you know that it, it made me basically sob uncontrollably because it may, it reminded me of my grandfather and like this whole mess about that had happened in her own life. And I had to take a step back and look at my piece and see, you know, yeah, there are some, some really kind of dark threads in here that if somebody, you know, coming from that space, I could see exactly where they took this. And I made some changes because that wasn't my intent. Okay. And so, you know, I, but, but that was something that she, she expressed to me privately. And where, you know, somebody may not always give you that sort of feedback. Well, that's, that's a wonderful experience for you. The flip side mm-hmm. is, I think one of the public comments I got from 30 stories was, <laughs> is we have, we have people here who decide that we, we must be entertained by their music. <laughs> Tell them we need you for three more minutes. <laughs> it's a beach party, yay! <laughs> That's it. Um, is that uh, you try as you might? Some readers just don't get it. One of the first right. reviews I got for I think it was thirty stories. The person read it said that they enjoyed the stories, but they were too short. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> it says it's, it's flash fiction. I mean, um, oh, and. You know, I don't know. I got that from people who read, we've got some transcripts posted of some podcasts that we've done. And they are, you know, pretty much verbatim transcripts. And it says in the description 
that they are transcripts. And I had some woman who requested to review four of them, and in every single review she said, great information, love the content, hate the format. I told you what the format was. <laughs> and you knew right, after right. the first one, why did you read the other three? That is one of those perception things. You know, my, my husband, he picked up a, um, a, a novel, oh gosh, about six months ago or so. And I was, I was in between series. I was waiting for a book and I didn't want to like get into like another series that, that I, yeah. I, you know, I, I like to buy books. If, if it's a series, I like to get them all at once and just go through the whole thing. Cause it's easier, but I was waiting for the final book in a series to come out. So I, I, I borrowed his book and I read it not knowing anything about the author and the individual chapters were, were highly entertaining by themselves. As a story, I didn't feel it was cohesive at all. And it wasn't until afterwards when I was talking with him, he said, well, you do know that he's a short story author, right? And I'm like, well, that would have helped immensely. <laughs> and it was on the cover of the book, you know, the little, you know, those, those little Newberry symbol-y things. It, it wasn't yeah. a Newberry, but you, you know what I'm talking about, the little silver stick yeah. thingies. I'm like, oh, for Pete's sake, Karen, you can't even read the cover of the book. <laughs> So judging. I have been there and I have been that person. <laughs> You're not judging the book by its cover. Okay, that's good. No. <laughs> I was judging it by its contents and I didn't like the <laughs> contents until I figured out, oh, guess what? These aren't really supposed to go together. I was like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, like there's, I, there's some feedback that you can you can smile yeah. with. Others that you I'm just like, I can't figure out the plot. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, but yeah, that, one, that one's on you. Yeah. That one's on you. <laughs> that one's totally on me, yeah. Okay. One little thought, because I know we, we need to wrap up. We're going on. Um, this kind of inspired me, or actually, I was ordered to write a book about this. Um, mm-hmm. Maria speaks. I obey. As I mentioned uh, in our in our previous uh, interview, she gets a ninety six percent cut on everything I make as a writer. Um, I, I suspect <laughs> that by twenty ninety seven, she has. Uh, I suspect <laughs> by twenty fourteen, I'll be paying her so I can write. Um, um, but again, I. I'd like to make it available to um, uh, through through your website once I finish it, which will be in about two weeks, um, and and hopefully it'll 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 help other writers who might be looking for a way to exercise their writing skills, or or get past that fear of the screen or the blank page, or even the fear of publishing. Um, if you can write three or four flash fiction stories and bundle them together and put them out there for people to look at, you can get over the fear of publishing. Um, Steve Jobs said it best, great artists ship. Um, you know, we can be writers and we can share it with our friends and family and colleagues, but until we go out there in public, we're not really fulfilling uh, the, the, the greatest uh, potential we have mm-hmm. as writers, which is sharing our experiences with other people and sharing our worldview with other people. Which so, is exactly that- why I'm trying to get my son's writing out there. He wrote it, it's meant to be read. It's my job to put it in a format that is readable by the public. And I think you are so right that, you know, there's so many people that um, write things and then they say, oh, I don't know if it's going to be very good. Well, if it just sits in your drawer and you only let other people that you know read it, it's so easy to just put it out there on Kindle or, you know, you, yes, I'm talking to you, Karen. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many people that could enjoy what it is that you don't think is good enough yet. Can you try veiling that a little bit more for me? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't say it with you in mind, but as soon as you started giggling, I'm like, yes. Well, Karen doesn't play poker, right? Because boy, she has no poker space. No, yeah, no, no poker yeah, she face. Gave that one away. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, the nice thing about my poker face is that I'm laughing the whole time anyway, so you can't really tell if I'm bluffing or not. <laughs> well, you can laugh as you rake in the butt. That'd be funny. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think that, I mean, there's a difference between the pieces that you don't let people read because they truly aren't good enough and the pieces that you won't let people read even though they are good enough because you're, it's, it's showing a side of yourself that you're afraid that people are going to judge you about or they're going to say, wow, Karen wrote this? Ah, I don't know about that. She's got some pretty dark, you know, interesting. And I, and I have a lot of that. And, and so it's, it, That's where for pen me, names come in handy. Yeah, I, I've been considering that. I'm definitely writing under a pen name for certain things. And, uh, you know, so is, so is my boyfriend. You just do that to keep your genres separate or to keep things to an audience that your normal audience, you know, wouldn't want to see. That's one of the things I want to talk to Deborah about because you do affiliate programs. And mm -hmm. I believe that some of the books I write would be better suited. I write under a pseudonym. Would be better suited for an affiliate, you know, for an affiliate program. Yep. Uh, that's something I'd like to explore. Um, a, a phrase that I like to use is that a finished good is better than an imagined great. Yes. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I, I I may have put out some books or, or some stuff out there that people say, you know, this really isn't highly polished. But well, yeah. But I can always go back and polish it. That's the the freedom we have now in self publishing. Um, I don't have to listen to somebody else tell me all the things I need to do because there's nobody really telling me what to do except maybe readers. Um, so I can always go back and, and, and improve upon it, polish it, etc. But every time I, I upload or, my, or, or Maria helps me with a cover um, or, or we put together a book and we, and we put it out there and it gets, it gets downloaded and people look at it, we've done our job. Yep. We've done something. Um, and success will follow, we don't know to what degree, um, but it'll follow. It'll follow as long as we ship, as long as we get it out there. As writers, eventually we'll be discovered. It might not be the way we want it, or it might not be to the degree that we expect or, or desire, but we will be discovered as long as we're publishing, as long as we're getting out there. Yep, if it's sitting in your desk or it's sitting on your computer, it's not going to help anybody or anything. And we're so. not making the Gil, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I have a blog. It's called Gil the Genius. Gil with uh, Genius with a J. Gil with a G. Um, I also am on Amazon. Um, my company, uh, which is uh, you know, I, I own four percent of it, and I'm happy to retain that. Is <laughs> Genius Publishers. Same with same thing with the J. Genius Publishers. Um, my books are up on Amazon uh, under Gil C. Schmidt. Um, no pseudonyms, no aliases yet. No no pen names and in, on Smashwords as well. And uh, I think in about a month, they should be up on uh, iBooks. Uh, yeah, I see Smashwords is working on getting everybody up on iBooks, so I'm really excited about that. I'm happy about that. And uh, when I get the Flash Fiction book completed, I will send it to you so you can take a look at it. And uh, what I'd like to do is leave it on Book Goodies for about, say about a month, maybe two months, and then so that people can come and if they want to read it, they want to look at it, they can they can find it off the website. Then I'll I'll do something with it, with Genius Publishers, etc. But it's something I'd like to share with the community first. Um, that is so generous of you. Well, thank you. I, I like to be generous, and and you know since I get four percent of the sales, I can easily be generous. Um, <laughs> now, did you check with Maria first? <laughs> um, no. Now, see, that's the, that's the weakness in my argument right now. So <laughs> I'll I'll do my best on that one. Um, so that I, I and again, this is it, it's essentially it's the sharing. It's the sharing of information uh, between writers. Uh, I don't have a writing group. 
I do have a, a few writers that I communicate with. Um, but we're all aiming for the same thing, and it's to tell the best stories we can the best way we know how. Yep. And, and you know, it, every, every process is different, but it doesn't mean we have to do it all by ourselves. There's always a way to hand, uh, lend a hand. You know who my book writing, you know who my writing group is? The people I podcast with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, None of you will ever read what I've written to critique it, but you're all my, you're all the people telling me all the things <laughs> that I need to know. I've got my own personal, you know, how to write course going on here. Yeah, you've got your mentor group, you know, helping out, and, and, and the more you, and I've listened to other podcasts um, with, with very surprisingly uh, informed people, and I mean surprisingly informed in the sense that the breadth of their experience is astonishing. Yep. And, and it's amazing, it, 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 and it, if I learn off of them, I've just saved myself maybe a few hours, a few days, a few weeks yep. of that. Mm -hmm. uh, so you must be getting an education that's probably master's degree level at this point. Yep. You want to know why I do four or five podcasts a day? It's because I am learning so much, and I enjoy talking to every person. And I've started to tell people it's like a treasure hunt. You know, when I start an interview with someone, I don't know where it's going to go, and in the end, I always find some jewels in that. You know, in every podcast, there are jewels and words of wisdom. So, and let's let's not you know, forget that by well, by the time this comes out, et cetera, that. You've done a wonderful job, both of you have done a wonderful job of organizing your material so that other writers can find it. Um, that's such a key thing to do, to curate that content, to make it easy to find, etc. All of that is just, it, it exponentially increases the impact of what you're doing. So you know, more of it is fine and, and to, what, to whatever extent I can contribute to that, I'd be happy. Well, thank you, awesome. Gil. That's very generous. And um, Karen, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me online on Twitter at Karen Garcia. And pretty soon you're going to put up a, a writing website, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess I should probably do that. <laughs> In your free time. In my free time. <laughs> um, and as always, you can find me and Karen at bookgoodies.com. And we would love for you to go to bookgoodies.com, and that's with an I-E-S. And you'll find, do a search for Gil, and you'll find the podcasts we've done with him and the future podcasts we will be doing with him. And you'll be able to um, leave comments on the uh, show. And if you're shy and don't want to leave comments and questions in public uh, on the thread, you can always go to our Contact Us button, and you can uh, ask us questions, leave us comments, uh, tell us topics you'd like us to cover, and you can also offer to be a guest. And there's also a place for you to tell us about your books, and uh, so that you know we can help, uh, put them on our website for people to find. And uh, we also encourage book blogs and book reviewers to come over to our site and and give out your information, since there's so many more. Um, reviewers and books and everything out there we want everybody to uh, be able to connect with each other and i want to thank geekcast.fm for hosting all of our podcasts and many other uh, podcasts that are of interest to geeks and internet marketing and you know sit down take an hour write a story and let us know how it came out or or even submit it to us to post on our site so uh, once again, thank you, everybody, and thanks, Gil and Karen, for an entertaining and delightful conversation, and uh, everybody have a great day. Thank you. Be well.